0: from the heart of our nation's capital here's family research council president tony perkins
1: well thanks for tuning in for this thursday edition of washington watch i'm sure like most americans you've been tracking the monster storm ian and the destruction that it has left in its path we'll be joined in just a moment by florida congressman byron donald's who represents one of the hardest hit areas of Florida? And earlier today, President Biden visited the FEMA headquarters in D.C., where he said this My message to the people of Florida and to the country is at times like this, America comes together. We're going to pull together as one team, as one America. And I can tell you from experience that is true. Thankfully, we can still come together as Americans to, to help one another. Governor Ron DeSantis uh, gave this update on the effects of the hurricane earlier today. The amount of water that's been rising and will likely continue to rise today, even as the storm is passing, uh, is basically a 500-year flood event. This storm is having broad impacts across the state, and some of the flooding you're going to see in areas hundreds of miles from where this made landfall um, are going to set records. There's going to be a lot of needs to be met in Florida, and later in the program, Edward Graham with Samaritan's Purse will join us as their relief efforts begin to roll into the state. He'll tell us how we can help. And back to the public policy world. Last Friday, Republicans in Congress laid out their agenda. We've been talking about it. It's the commitment to America. Well, today, this morning, actually, the Republican Study Committee, which is the kind of the conservative compass of the Republican Party in The House released the family policy agenda, which really kind of informs what the GOP will prioritize in the next Congress as it pertains to families if they gain the majority. Of course, uh, not everyone is happy with the agenda.
2: And they continue to put politics over patriotism, to give us nothing but talking points and platitudes devoid of any substance, any vision. Any agenda for the American people?
1: I would venture to say, in fact, I would make a wager if I if I did, if I were a betting man that he has not read. He has not read the commitment to America, nor the family plan put forth by the Republicans in the House. I can assure you of that. That was House Democrat Caucus Chair Hakeem Jeffries earlier today with his talking points we'll get a legislative update in a little bit from FRC's Connor Simmelsberger. he's the director of federal affairs here at FRC and finally iran launched missiles and a drone strike that killed at least 13 people in the kurdistan region of iraq yesterday they was blaming they were blaming them for continued unrest on the streets of iran now this unrest that is moving into its second week comes after the death of a 22-year-old woman at the hands of the morality police. The unrest could literally be destabilizing this dangerous regime. However, However, some say the efforts of the Biden administration to resurrect the flawed nuclear deal could strengthen the hand of the mullahs against the people.
3: Right now, America's policy toward Iran is hopelessly schizophrenic. We cannot stand on the side of Iranian protesters at the same time that we are trying to re-sign a nuclear deal with the same mullahs that would release billions of dollars back into their hands, help them shore up their power, and do nothing to prevent putting a catastrophic weapon into their genocidal hands.
1: That was Nebraska Senator Ben Sass on the Senate floor yesterday. We'll get the latest from the Middle East when we're joined live by CBN's Middle East Bureau Chief, Chris Mitchell. He'll be joining us from Jerusalem a little later here on the program. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Be sure and visit the site contact information for all of our guests and resources that they might mention. Our word for today comes from 1 Kings, the second chapter, verses 2 and 3, where King David is about to die, and he gives final instructions to Solomon, who has just become king. Quote, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. End quote. What David is telling Solomon, like the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1-7 be strong and courageous. Be a man by following the Word of God. Now, this is where our strength is needed, to walk in the ways of the Lord and obey Him. You know what? It doesn't take courage to follow the current of the prevailing culture. Real manhood is refusing to take the path of least resistance. It's having the courage to follow the Lord with your whole heart. You can join us on this journey through the Bible by going to frc.org. Hurricane Ian came ashore with sustained winds of 150 miles per hour, battering Florida. Storm surges and massive flooding, as you just heard, are pervasive throughout much of the state. The number of lives lost is not yet known, but I urge you to pray for all those affected. I know firsthand what it's like to see friends and neighbors have their lives turned upside down from events such as this. Joining us now to discuss the latest on the situation is Congressman Byron Donalds. He serves on the House Oversight Committee, the House Budget Committee, and the House Small Business Committee. He represents Florida's 19th district, which has been among the hardest hit areas by the storm. Congressman Donalds, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's good to be back with you. Thanks for having me on. So your district was uh, heavily impacted by this. Tell us what you know as of right now.
4: Well, as of right now, um, obviously we were heavily impacted. All the coastal regions. Uh, from Marco Island all the way through Sanibel, Captiva, Fort Myers Beach, uh, Bonita Beach, and Cape Coral and Fort Myers. All sustained heavy flooding. Um, and you know, basically everybody in the, in the country, if not the world, has seen, seen the pictures and the devastation. Where we are right now is search and rescues happening as we speak. Um, also, we're actually getting a real assessment of the heavy infrastructure toll and damage that has been done. The immediate need right now is trying to restore access to potable water for the people of Lee County. Our potable water system is out completely right now. Um, Most of the power is out in Lee County. We're gonna have to rebuild portions of our grid because of the damage. Um, And then of course we have uh, some of our bridges, our our causeways to our barrier islands. They have been, they were ruptured by this storm. Uh, So it's gonna be a, a lot of recovery, a lot of work to be done right here. Um, And, you know, but the biggest sigh of relief, if there is one, is that as of now, uh, casualties have remained very, very low. And so uh, we're just still monitoring that. Like I said, a lot of search and rescue is still yet to be done. Um, But, you know, we're just taking one step at a time.
1: So, Congressman, did, did a lot of folks evacuate? Did they take the warnings and leave the area?
4: well that's the part that's still gonna be remains to be seen i think in southwest florida people have gotten accustomed to these high wind events we were we were hit with hurricane irma a few years ago Um, but what we've never had to deal with was this level of storm surge the storm surge was devastating uh there were people who evacuated we also had people who decided to hunker down and unfortunately when they saw the storm surge come in um, they tried to get to either on their roofs or try to evacuate all together um, and so right now, the thing that thing that is not known, frankly, is are there any casualties from people who were trapped by storm surge? That's the part we're still trying to assess right now. We don't have the
1: answer to that. Now, you were in the state legislature. You mentioned Irma. You were in the legislature when that uh, hurricane hit Florida. You mentioned the storm surge. Is that the major difference between uh, those two uh, weather events?
4: 100 percent. It's without question. Irma, I believe it was a Category Four, uh, a pretty strong Category Four uh, storm when it hit when it hit uh, Southwest Florida, and the concern at the time was we were expecting seven to ten feet of storm surge. Well, the storm surge never materialized. The storm actually broke down on the back end, and it never really happened. Uh, so you had the wind damage, which was significant enough, but not the flood damage. This storm completely different. Like I said, every coastal every coastal area in Southwest Florida was inundated with anywhere from three feet to 16, 18 feet of storm surge. Um, it was, it was very devastating for our area. There's a lot of rebuild that's going to have to take
1: place. Now we're, you know, it takes usually my experience in Louisiana, having gone through a number of these storms in various capacities, it uh, usually take 36 hours before you start to get a good assessment and the, I think we've gotten a lot better at the first responders in terms of the, the federal government and others coming in. Uh, but what what, are, what has the early response been from FEMA? It sounds like the president has been working very closely with uh, Governor DeSantis to get the, the uh, necessary relief materials into the state.
4: Well, I, got, I really have to commend our first responders, our, our Florida Department of Emergency Management and FEMA. Uh, they've all been working hand in hand, the coordination has actually gone uh, quite well. Uh, we did a lot of pre-positioning, a lot of pre-planning before this storm, uh, which is a, a credit really to all three levels. Um, and I think that's really what's important for the people of Southwest Florida. Um, but that work continues. Like you said, these assessments, it's probably going to take us, you know, 36, uh, 48 hours. You know, um, hopefully it doesn't take 72 hours to get a real understanding of the level of devastation that we're dealing with. And uh, but you know FEMA has FEMA has been a, a great partner for us through this. I was at FEMA headquarters yesterday, uh, getting a, a real-time assessment of the assets they have prepared to go into Southwest Florida when the storm passes. Um, that all looks to be going according to plan. Uh, what you the thing you don't know, and you can never really understand with these storms, is the totality of the need, and you can only really get that once you do your initial assessments. So they've been right. a great partner. We're going to continue to work uh, um, hand in hand with them so that the people of Southwest Florida can recover.
1: And I was talking with some earlier today as uh, looking at the, the, the pictures coming across television sets in all, all across America. The pictures you just do not tell the full story. You've got to be see it firsthand. And when you're there and you see the devastation from a storm like this, it, it is just overwhelming. And I think One of the things that I, again, through experience is that people, you get tunnel vision because you're cut off from everything and you become, you know, really discouraged and despondent. And I think that's why it's important to have, you know, the the federal government responding. But also we're going to be talking a little bit later about Samaritan's Purse, bringing hope and help uh, to those affected by these storms. It's I think it's critically important the rest of the country, you know, lean in and help uh, our neighbors in Florida.
4: Well, I, I completely agree with you. Um, during Hurricane Irma, I was, I was on the ground. I was out doing some initial assessments. Uh, right now I'm in Washington. I head back tomorrow uh, to, to get to work and, and do that work on the ground. And, yeah, when you're in a recovery mode from a major disaster, it can be disheartening sometimes. But I think the key thing is, and, and I think this is the real special thing about people, uh, when the chips are down, people come together. Um, the politics, that all ends, that goes away. The petty differences, those go away. And people are focused about recovery, helping their neighbor, helping their fellow man. Southwest Florida has been through that before. I know the character of the people. Um, and that's going to happen again. We're just going to pull together, get it done, uh, get life back on track as quickly as we can, and then we can get back to the matters of the day. Uh, but any assistance that comes in from around the region, Samaritan's persons, is a great organization. You know, we've done work with them in the past. Also, the state of Florida has stood up a, a, a fundraising platform for disaster uh, assistance. It's Florida floridadisasterfund.org. That's Florida floridadisasterfund.org. Um, and that's being administered by the state of Florida to assist the recovery uh, that is going to go on. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm going to be direct. Like, we have a lot of work to do. It's going to be a lot of hard yeah. work, and it's going to take weeks in some areas if not months in some areas Uh, but we're committed to that task and we're going to pull together and get it done all
1: right congressman donald's i want to thank you for joining us and uh, you and your folks will be in our prayers and we'll be helping too thank you all right folks stick with us on the other side of the break we're going to get an update from capitol hill as congress winds down Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org. bible
5: Learn more at frc.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Uh, Speaking of prayer earlier, I I do want to invite you to take the pledge to pray, vote, and stand as we move into this fall's election. Actually, we should be praying all the time for our country. But in particular, when we face some of the issues we do as a nation, uh, and there's such a clear contrast between the two governing ideologies that are being offered, we need to pray pray for wisdom, pray for decision, uh, discernment, but we need to vote and we need to get our friends and our family members registered in voting as well. So will you take the pledge? In fact, ask your friends and family to take the pledge. You can text the word pledge, P-L-E-D-G-E, pledge to 67742. That's 67742. You'll get a link and uh, you can take the pledge to vote, pray, and stand. Right. Congress is uh, they're coming down to the wire here on a number of things. I've got the continuing resolution that has to be passed before they leave tomorrow. They'll be recessing until after they'll be leaving uh, till after the election when they come back for what will most likely be a very, very uh, contentious lame duck session. We're going to be talking about that later. But for now, this morning, the Republican Study Committee released a list of principles based around the framework that conservative Conservative policymakers must work to restore the American family. I think it's a great uh, presentation they've made in terms of policy proposals, all based upon the family. It's a 12-page document, so there's plenty to consider. But the bottom line is that Republicans fought against lockdowns. They're, want- they're wanting to continue the fight against woke indoctrination and bureaucratic interference in schools. They believe parents... They believe parents should be the determiners of their children's future. So there should be no doubt which political party is the party of parents and families. Join me now to discuss this and other news from Capitol Hill is Connor Simmelsberger. He is the Director of Federal Affairs for Life and Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council. Connor, welcome back to the program. Great to be back, Tony. All right, so uh, b- before we get into the highlights of the, the family plan, uh, what's the latest on the continuing resolution?
0: Yeah. So the continuing resolution that will extend our federal funds um, out to December 16th, that's the deadline they've picked, um, just passed through our Senate. So that's just some recent news. Uh, The vote total there was 72 to 25. So bipartisan senators came together to pass this spending bill. And now it heads over to the House, which is going to be in session through tomorrow to get that done. And it looks like they will, in the nick of time, get our government funding extended out through December with a deadline wrapping up tomorrow.
1: And, of course, uh, not much of an issue there in the House as to whether or not it will pass, probably strictly along party lines with maybe one or two Republicans voting for it. But the Republicans do not have enough votes in the House to stop it.
0: Yeah, that's correct. And what a lot of senators objected to and a lot of Republicans in the House is that they extended this continuing resolution only to December 16th. So Republicans feeling good about their prospects this election could have the opportunity to write this year's funding bills come January, but instead it's going to set up a really contentious fight with only a few weeks left in the year right in December. And As we all know, Tony, as we talked about Lame Duck, these continuing resolutions or these big spending packages can be vehicles for some bad things to get snuck into them
1: yeah this this is going to be probably and this is my prediction this will be one of the most dangerous one of the worst lame duck sessions in modern history, uh but just because of how radical uh the democratic leadership is and what they've already passed out of the House and is pending before the senate but i I'm, i don't I'll say that for another day. i want to talk about the highlights of the plan put forth by the Republican study committee today. Um, I, I gave a quick overview, but uh, give us uh, some more of the highlights and how this plan would actually help American families.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really a brilliant plan. I have to say, and, you know, kudos to Congressman Jim Banks from Indiana. You know, the chairman of RSC who's put this together, working with outside groups like ourselves and others to paint parity to what Biden and the Democrats proposed last year. Their build back better. Thankfully, that failed. But that policy solution was you know, government control over everything about family life—just throwing money at the wall no real solutions for families. Contrast that with what the R.C. is proposing, which is from top down. It's very much so reflective of what F.R.C. has done for now the last 40 years, which is the family is truly the center of our society. You know, as goes the family, so goes the nation. And it starts with life begins in conception in the womb. Marriage is between a man and a woman and must be held sacred. You know, no marriage penalties in our federal policies up to how do we help parents then educate their children where they have control over what they're being taught? How do we help families... Uh, pick the best working situation for them whether that's one parent working or one stay uh, both working or one staying at home to best care for their kids uh, and then generations beyond that This is top-down a complete parity to what Democrats have offered and this is really puts the family back in the square of our public policy
1: So Connor based upon looking at this is it a stretch to say that the Republicans want to be the party of parents
0: Oh, not at all. And it's clear from some of these proposals, like you mentioned, Democrat governors across the country, they want to close schools. They want to cut families off from each other, from their extended families or communities. This restores that. That wants to. This is truly the building back better of families and um, that it, it actually puts parents first, children's, that, children's rights and education so that they aren't indoctrinated by woke ideologies. And like I said, it just values all those things that make our society good, which is the family thriving and surviving, especially in these hard economic times, when so much inflation has hurt working families. This helps fix a lot of those problems.
1: Not only taking on the economic issues, but they're not afraid in this proposal to take on these crazy ideological battles over gender. You know, biological men shouldn't be in women's spaces, competing in girls' sports. We shouldn't have to be using false pronouns. I mean, they go right after it.
0: Yeah, and that's great to see because for so long it's been sort of a struggle to get even conservative elected lawmakers to really stand for these values this platform does that, like you said, beats about this abortion ideology that the only thing that helps women that are in need is abortion rather than giving them, you know, good health care and a support system. This is about fighting against those gender ideologies that destroy children's lives, that, you know, doing surgeries on young minors, even sometimes without parental consent, they go right at that um, and, and standing up for parents' rights and education. So. Parents are the drivers of children's education rather than um, government bureaucracy like our Department of Education here in D.C.
1: Well, Connor, thanks for the update. Uh, some good news, and hopefully, we'll see some of these policies actually become law in the years ahead.
0: That's right, Tony.
1: All right, Connor Simmelsberger, who is uh, head of our federal affairs up on Capitol Hill. By the way, another plug to take the pledge, those types of things will only happen if men and women of conviction of the Constitution and of moral right and wrong, biblical truth, are serving in office. So take the pledge, text the word pledge to 67742. All right, coming up, we're going to be joined by Edward Graham with Samaritan's Purse on what they are doing and preparing to do in Florida. So stick with us. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website is TonyPerkins.com. I encourage you to visit the site. Lots of resources there for you to be an informed and engaged citizen. All right. As we were discussing earlier, Hurricane Ian has had a devastating effect on Florida. And uh, I encourage everyone to pray for the folks of Florida, but not just pray. We need to we need to help. And this is a time that Americans coming come together and it's not just watching those in government. I'm grateful. I've been a first responder, grateful for what they do, but they cannot do all of this. And some of this, as uh, Congressman Donalds was talking about, just a, as he was wrapping up his uh, interview with us, you know, he's talking about weeks, months. Some of this is years. Uh, in fact, Samaritan's Purse, uh, as they have responded to so many of these storms, when they uh, when I was pastoring, we hosted them at our church. They were there for two and a half years after the flood. Uh, back in 2016, in my home state, uh, and they stay with it until the work is done. Joining me now to discuss the work that Samaritan's Purse is doing on the ground and will be doing in the weeks, months, and probably years ahead is Edward Graham, Vice President of Operations for Samaritan's Purse. Edward, welcome uh, back to Washington Watch.
2: Tony, thanks for having us on. Appreciate it.
1: Well, first off, I want to thank uh, you and uh, and all the the team at Samaritan's Purse for the great job that you guys do anytime there's a crisis such as this you guys are there so tell us uh, what you're learning and hearing
2: from your team that's already on the ground in Florida yeah, you're watching the news as well and our teams reporting similar The devastation especially the wind damage the water damage the flooding uh, the storm surge that came into many of these places uh, Fort Myers one of the epicenter there we have teams looking at my sister is actually from there; there so is where she lives has a home there She's actually up with us right now here in the mountains getting away from it. But the teams are responding to those locations. And we always work through the local church. As you just talked about, we've partnered and lived at your church. And so we're getting the story and assessment from them. But it's great devastation. I mean, massive amounts. So our teams have left this morning out of North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, with our equipment to head up and link up with our assessors and get the volunteers out there as soon as possible.
1: Now, you're still doing work in Kentucky from the flooding that took place there um, just a couple of months ago.
2: Yeah, that's correct. We've been up in Kentucky. Matter of fact, we're still in Mayfield, Kentucky, where the tornado hit last Christmas, where we're doing rebuilds, building homes for the non-insured and underinsured there. there. Um, we're responding in the other part of Kentucky to the uh, eastern part with the floods. We're here now. We're still in Louisiana and parts of there doing rebuilds. As you said, we don't leave until the job's done. But I We're going to be doing disaster relief in Florida, I have a feeling not just for weeks, but for months. It's going to be bad. And then from there, we'll assess about rebuild if we need to help those getting back into homes. But as you stated before, you need to be praying. Pray for this part of Florida. The storm's still going on. We have left one of our truck teams here in North Carolina available to go out with volunteers to see where this storm goes. If not, we'll surge it down to Florida to plus up our efforts there. Um, but this is where we partner with the local church. The church does great things for their communities, and after we leave, we want to see the church thriving and following up with those new believers and making sure they're being discipled.
1: And of course, you go in with uh, Billy Graham Ministries and their chaplains, disaster relief chaplains, and, and I can just say from experience when we partnered with Samaritan's Purse during the course of the year, As the ministry went on, we baptized over 100 people in our churches. So it's a holistic ministry, not just helping people muck out their homes and and piece their lives back together, but it really is giving them hope. And and
2: that's what's so, I think, important to know about the work that Samaritan's Purse does. Uh, You're exactly right. You know, at Samaritan's Purse, we meet the immediate needs, the immediate physical, just like the good Samaritan where he bandaged, he gave water, he gave transportation. But as you know, we both know the most important part of that story is a debt had to be paid. He paid the debt to the innkeeper to make sure that he could stay at that house. The debt that Jesus Christ paid, that's what we want these homeowners to know, when they've lost hope that God has not forsaken them. And so the Billy Graham Rapid Response Chaplains do an incredible job with that. They're actually, we also deployed teams down to Puerto Rico, and we've been down there serving. We had an aircraft go down there, our cargo plane go down earlier in in the week, and they're serving there. And we're also putting another hospital in Ukraine. Um, and with those cities that were just liberated, we have BGA-trained ROT chaplains there serving alongside our doctors.
1: So, Edward, as folks are concerned about what's happening in Florida and they want to do something, there's ways to help. They They can give money to the Samaritan's Purse, but they can also begin to line up to
2: volunteer to go down and help in the relief effort. Now, you're exactly right. First, ask for your prayers. You already mentioned that, and that's the most important part is pray for the state and for those homeowners and pray for our teams that are responding but if you're willing and able you may cannot do it this week but maybe it's next week we're going to be there as you said for weeks or months but go to samarinspurse.org and it'll say how to get involved and you can sign up for this response here in florida and get down there And it doesn't matter what your background construction you could be a school teacher a coach it doesn't matter we just need people that are willing to go out and serve and love their neighbors so it's going to be tarping roofs mucking out homes cutting back the drywall We want to get these homeowners quickly back into their houses.
1: All right, Edward, uh, we'll be checking back in with you next week once you get down there on the ground and get an assessment of the needs, and we'll uh, encourage people to get in touch with you guys, to volunteer and to give money, contribute to the great work that you guys do. We really appreciate it.
2: Well, Tom, we appreciate it. Thank you for your program.
1: All right. Edward Graham with Samaritan's Purse. And I will tell you, folks, and you've heard me say it before, so it's not new if you've listened, but I've worked many times with Samaritan's Purse because, unfortunately, Louisiana's been hit many, many times and I've been involved. You do not waste a single moment. They are organized. They are well equipped. They know what they're doing. And if you want to volunteer and make the most of your time, it's the best group to go with. So, Check out the website, SamaritansPurse.org. go to TonyPerkins.com, and you can follow the links over, but also financially. They'll need the resources. And I would much rather give my money to an organization like this than Red Cross or something else that not only are they not as effective, but they're not sharing the gospel the way Samaritan's Purse does. All right, coming up, Next, we're going to go overseas. We're going to be joined by Chris Mitchell from Jerusalem. Stay tuned.
6: What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAN to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAN to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like minded community. Text S T A N D to 67742. That's STAND to 67742.
5: Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy in the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 12- to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Let me again encourage you to take the pledge, and I'm going to repeat this over and over over the next uh, month, because it's so important that we are voting. There has never been a clear contrast between the two major parties in this country and what they're offering Americans in terms of their governing philosophies and ideology and the policies that flow from that. Now, we don't endorse candidates uh, here at the Family Research Council. And I'm just encouraging you to to vote, to be informed, and to vote your biblical values. And so will you take the pledge to do that, that you'll pray? You'll pray for our nation. You'll pray for... You'll... Truth regardless. If you want to join the thousands that have already taken the pledge, well, pledge the word, text the word pledge to 67742, 67742. And share that with your friends we we have to overwhelm them at the polls protests in iran continue as uh, i think we're about on the 10th or oh, going into the second week as thousands flood the, st- the streets of uh, tehran in defiance over the death of a 22-year-old woman now iran's morality police arrested the woman alleged allegedly for not wearing uh her headscarf appropriately and she died in the and their custody shortly thereafter. Now, dozens of people have been killed by the Iranian regime in the ensuing protest, which, frankly, actually do not show any signs of slowing. Well, yesterday, Iran launched attacks on the Kurdish region of Iraq, blaming them uh, for um, the uh, what was happening. In the streets of Tehran. Joining me now to uh, discuss this live from Jerusalem is uh, Chris Mitchell, Middle East Bureau chief for CBN News. Uh, Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch.
7: Tony, great to be with you again.
1: So uh, what's the latest that's happening there in Iran?
7: Well, from my understanding, uh, Tony, the latest is about 88 people officially Uh, have been killed during the protests, but that number is likely much higher than that, because what happens sometimes when uh, people go to recover the body of their loved ones, they have to, in order to get the body, they have to uh, actually pledge that they will remain quiet. Uh, So a lot of people, as you said, dozens of people have died. Uh, Apparently on Saturday, there is a protest planned uh, in daylight in Tehran. So that's one thing to be keeping an eye on. Uh, another thing that's happening inside of the country is some of the businesses are beginning to close down in support of the protests. So uh, it doesn't seem to be uh, slowing down. Uh, it has spread throughout the country. And, uh, and one thing uh, to note too, the internet seems to have been uh, shut down, uh, it, despite the fact that Elon Musk had said that he would activate Starlink Uh, It's a little problematic because he needs receivers on the ground uh, to spread that Internet. So uh, the government is trying to uh, just shut down any social media that's coming out of Iran. But uh, these protests seem to be very widespread and very fervent.
1: So we've had protests before in Iran. What's the difference about the current protest?
7: Well it, there are some similarities uh between the protests that uh, were in 2009 uh the so-called green revolution there have been protests since ev- every year since 2017 uh in one form or another uh perhaps the difference here is uh is how deeply it is uh, among the people. It, it's not just about the hijabs. It, that's certainly the focal point right now, but it goes deeper than that. Uh, people really do want uh, regime change. Uh, they don't want a moderate regime. They want uh, this regime that's lasted since 1979 to be toppled. Uh, one encouraging news is that two U.S. senators, Senator Bob Menendez, Senator Mike Rounds, have called for a regime change. And I talked to earlier today to an uh, Iranian uh, <coughs> person that's now living in the U.S., uh, said that's huge uh, development, that some of the uh, Senators would would go that far to change uh, or advocate a change in u s policy, and also, if we see other nations uh, start to support these protests, that could make a difference uh, but a lot of people uh, Tony, are asking the question you know is this a tipping point that the regime could right. change uh, it 's very hard to say what will happen, uh, but it the odds I think or the favor uh, the support would be on the regime change uh the regime that is they have the guns uh they have the army they have the the forces uh the people have their fervency their their uh deep seated distrust and hatred for the regime but whether or not that's enough it remains to be seen
1: i mean they're very vulnerable right now i would think with uh, the economy with all that's going on in fact i i want to play a a clip from senator ben sass from yesterday on the senate floor play clip number seven please
3: right now america's policy toward iran is hopelessly schizophrenic we cannot stand on the side of iranian protesters at the same time that we are trying to re-sign a nuclear deal with the same mullahs that would release billions of dollars back into their hands help them shore up their power, and do nothing to prevent putting a catastrophic weapon into their genocidal hands. Hmm.
1: Do you see it that way, that the administration, by trying to reenter this nuclear agreement, is bolstering the hand of a vulnerable regime?
7: Yeah, I I can't—I think uh, he's just uh, hit it right the nail on the head, uh, Tony. He said it very clearly— Uh, giving billions of dollars through a nuclear deal would just fund this uh, genocidal genocidal regime uh, to suppress its people, to oppress its people, uh, to spread its uh, brand of Shiite uh, ideology uh, around this uh, region against uh, Israel that it it says almost daily that it will want to wipe out the Jewish state. It would fund uh, the Houthis in Yemen iraqi uh, iranian militias in in iraq and syria uh hezbollah hamas uh it, it is schizophrenic uh, to be on one hand uh standing with the protesters, but also uh negotiating with the regime that that would literally uh just fund their genocidal uh, ambitions uh around this region uh hopefully that there'll be some change of mind and and perhaps this this deal won't go through that would just fund uh the islamic regime
1: so, Chris Mitchell, how is this being viewed in Israel, which obviously has a lot more skin in the game than the U.S. does? Because, uh, you know, Iran, they they have uh, Israel in their crosshairs, and they have the means to, to come after them. Yeah.
7: Well, obviously, Israel is supporting the protesters uh, and against the regime, and they're using this, perhaps— as uh, one other uh, tool in their arsenal to advocate the fact that uh, the U.S. would not enter into a nuclear deal or any of the nations that would want to join the U.S. uh, in in this kind of regime uh, advocating for, uh, you know, this nuclear deal. So Israel certainly is— behind these protesters and certainly behind a regime that would really uh, change that would just literally change the whole region and the whole middle east if that, not the world and, and i would just add tony as you've been uh, <clears throat> encouraging people to be praying for the people uh of florida and rightly so but also pray for these protesters that are literally putting their lives on the line uh for freedom uh for the change of this oppressive regime and they certainly need our prayers and one other thing that's happening in Iran and has been happening for years is that many of these uh, Muslims are coming to faith, uh, to Jesus Christ through dreams and visions, and uh, and just pray that that continues, that people come to their faith and find their final hope and eternal hope uh, in Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, the, 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 the gospel is spreading rapidly in Iran. The... Um... What can you what 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 could you say term in terms of what the U.S. could do to be helpful at this point to to maybe make this a tipping point?
7: Well, first of all, I guess uh, get out of that nuclear deal that we've been discussing that would fund uh, and and just bolster economically uh, the Islamic regime. Uh, the other thing, not only come out uh, for the protesters, but against the regime, uh, if they could do that and they could change their policy. Uh, you know, these two U.S. senators, Menendez and Rounds, uh, maybe that's a beginning. Maybe that's a tipping point in the change of foreign policy that they would advocate for regime change inside iran and and i would also say tony you know uh speak directly to the people on the streets uh they need the support of uh other nations and especially the united states uh during the time when uh, uh you know the regime is tottering a certain uh <clears throat> to a certain point and whether they could help be a tipping point uh you know to change this regime that's been in power ever since 1979 and spreading its uh its imp- ideology all the way through the, throughout this uh, region and around the world.
1: Well, we certainly want to encourage our folks to be praying and to speak to their elected officials and to send encouragement to those in Iran, those that are standing up for freedom and, as you said, putting their lives on the line to do so. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but we have uh, we have actually a lot of viewers in Iran. This program is, uh, is heard and seen in Iran, so we, we want those folks to know we're, we are praying for them. Um, Before we run out of time, Chris Mitchell, we talked about elections here. We're encouraging people to pray for the elections here. But Israel has elections coming up almost at the same time, November 1st. Uh, Is there not uh, an election there in Israel?
7: Yeah, there's a big election, Tony. It's the fifth one in three and a half years. Uh, And right now, it seems like the Israeli electorate are very divided, just like uh, the United States in many ways. And uh, the recent polls show that uh, the Likud party, led by Benjamin Netanyahu, might be able, by the narrowest of margins, be able to put together a coalition of 61 seats that would be a majority in the Israeli Knesset of 120 seats. Uh, right now, the election is is that narrow narrower uh, uh, as it is right there, and we'll see what happens. Just a few votes either way for any one of the literally 30 plus parties here uh, would make a difference and could tip the uh, balance. Uh, one way or another, but uh, certainly uh, a time to be praying for this election too, uh, to see which direction the Jewish state will be going uh, come uh, after November first.
1: I mean, the, the the challenge with such a narrow margin of uh, of a governing coalition is that you know one or two people change their mind, and there goes your uh, your government.
7: It's exactly what happened with the former government, led by uh, Neftali Bennett and Yair Lapid. Uh, a couple of those uh, members decided to uh, defect. They had a narrow majority of 61, and it went down to 59. So then uh, the government collapsed. So uh, it is—it's—it's— it's- Difficult to say, you know, one of the main factors right now is Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, A number of people are against him, even though they 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 are ideologically uh, aligned with the Likud Party, but they don't want Benjamin Netanyahu. That's one of the biggest factors why there's been so many elections in the past three and a half years. We'll see if that changes uh, in this election, but uh, it's still very, very narrow uh, uh, margin to see what's going to happen in November 1st.
1: But I would imagine, given the volatility of the world, even more so than it was a year ago, we see what's happened in Ukraine, we see what's happening in Iran, that uh, Israelis, I would think, want a strong hand uh, at the wheel uh, going forward for the Israeli nation.
7: That's what a lot of people think. I mean, certainly the people that are supporting uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and Likud, they see him as, a, uh, you know, the kind of leader they want to take into this uh, precarious Middle Eastern world. Uh, in fact, right now, uh, polls have shown uh, consistently uh, throughout this time of political volatility that they still do favor Benjamin Netanyahu as uh, they want him as the prime minister. Uh, but because of the political dynamics... Uh, it makes it very hard to get that 61-seat majority, uh, but, but many people say he would be the, the hand on the wheel to, uh, to guide uh, the Jewish state through some of these uh, turbulent geopolitical waters, whether it's Russia, whether it's Iran, whether it's uh, Hezbollah or Hamas, uh, uh, or U.S.-Israel relations. Uh, many people would prefer him right now.
1: I tell you, love him or not, uh, an amazing leader that's been able to, uh, to lead Israel through an awful lot over the years., yeah. Chris yeah, that's Mitchell, true, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for staying up late. I know it's I uh, think sure. after midnight there in uh, in Jerusalem, and I want to thank you for uh, sticking around. It's always great to hear from you. Uh, you mentioned praying for the elections. Obviously, you know, uh, as believers here in this country, we're very concerned and interested in what happens in Israel. Uh, beyond the elections, what else should we be praying for?
7: Well, pray for for the people right now. You know, they're just celebrating Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. Uh, So I should say uh, Shana Tova, which means uh, Happy New Year and uh, have a sweet and prosperous New Year. Uh, They're going through a time of introspection. They call us the 10 days of awe, you know, going from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which will be next week, the Day of Atonement. And I think I pray uh, for the Jewish people for, uh, you know, their spiritual renewal during this time uh, as they uh, actually ask forgiveness They look for forgiveness uh, during this time to make amends, right? And uh, it's a very deep, deeply spiritual time here in the the land during this time. And then followed that by the Feast of Tabernacles uh, later in the month of October. And uh, it's a very special time here
1: spiritually. All right. Well, Chris Mitchell, I look forward to maybe seeing you in Israel sometime in the near future.
7: We'll look forward to that, Tony.
1: All right. Thanks so much for being with us, Chris. Chris Mitchell with CBN News. He is the Middle East Bureau Chief. Great guy. And do be praying, do pray for the folks of uh, Israel, their elections, and uh, for the people that they would truly know the Lord. And pray for our nation that we would truly walk with the Lord. Take the pledge. Text the word pledge to 67742. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you
0: by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.